0: The following program is recorded content created by The Truth Network.
1: Let tell you why I believe the Asbury outpouring was the real
2: deal. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now... Here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the
1: line of fire. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you. Here's the number to call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. With any questions on the subject we'll be talking about today as we focus on Asbury and the revival, was it real or not, is it real or not. But I'll take questions on other subjects as well A little later in the broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH. Okay, suddenly the nation, the church, even the secular world, talking about revival, revival. And and thousands, I believe it was over 20,000, maybe as high as 25,000 people converged in the small town of Wilmore, Kentucky where asbury is located and flooded all the buildings on campus the main buildings were where things were being held and long lines of people lines of cars more people than bathroom facilities overwhelming wilmore and, and and the university announcing that the public services on campus are ending this week and then services will be held at other neutral locations at other places don't even know the details on that was this real was this the real outpouring I have no question whatsoever that it was real. I don't doubt for a split second that it was real. And I want to give you five reasons why I am convinced that the outpouring that has taken place there is absolutely real and from the Lord. Number one reason is this, it's right on time, it is perfectly right on time and has drawn the nation to the subject of revival and has quickened the church to be thinking about revival. Look, even Fox News covering Tucker Carlson, they're ready to go there. And Asbury said, please don't. Don't come. This is not a place for cameras. This is not political. This is Don't come. And, and Tucker Carlson and the crew respected that. And that's also the integrity of the Asbury leadership there. I have no question that this is divine timing. Look, if you've been listening to the broadcast, you know we've been talking about revival, not just in an abstract way. You know that we said specifically the end of January, right here on this broadcast, that the first waves of this next revival movement have already hit America. You know that I wrote last November and been saying it for a long time before that, that I see thousands of holy fires all over the country, that God's going to be moving many, 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 many different places. It won't just be one place people flock to. And immediately, isn't it interesting that the flocking is going to have to turn because it's not just about going to one place all over the country I'm getting reports of outpouring pastors staggered by what God's doing in their midst I I mean I've been sharing some but but only brief parts of all that I've been hearing even reports from other parts of the world something fresh and powerful and real and wonderful is happening because of that I don't doubt for a second that this is right on time and suddenly gets our attention and gets us focused on these revival issues I wrote revival or we died in October 2021 And I've been saying since late 2019 that I see a shift coming. And then all through 2020, 2021, so much junk coming up from the church, our divisions, our political divisions, our bad attitudes one towards another, scandals, false prophecies, charismatic issues. Just so much coming to the surface, it was clear the refiner's fire skimming, purifying bringing us to repentance, and then out of our humiliation and our earnest seeking, and some of this earnest seeking has gone on for decades, God is pouring out his Spirit. And the timing that Asbury had previously scheduled an intercollegiate day of prayer for February 23rd at Asbury, praying for outpouring on college campuses, and that one of the themes is, Lord, would you do it again? You poured out your spirit at Asbury in 1950. Around 1970, you poured out your spirit, and both of these were part of larger moves of God. Would you do it again? And the Jesus Revolution movie coming out now, which is talking about what God did in the late 60s, early 70s, when so many of us hippies, radicals, rebels got dramatically saved. It's all time. This is a Kairos moment. This is a divine season. So that's the first thing. The second thing is it has the key earmarks of revival it happens suddenly it happens without expectation it happens without some major build-up that we're going to do this to schedule it and this to plan it and this special music and this special speaker no just boom it happens leonard ravenhill always used to say to me you don't have to advertise a fire revival advertises itself people come flocking and the browns were revival we did no advertising and, and over three million people total cumulative came through the doors in a five-year period over three hundred thousand different people responded to altar calls lines would form every day for for several years when the services were running at six in the morning for the service to start at seven in the evening to go to around midnight every night we didn't have to advertise it other places where god has moved you don't have to advertise people come flocking there's a quote attributed to john wesley when he was asked how he drew the crowds he said i set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn whether he said it or not it's been attributed to him the principle is absolutely true revival fire will draw people and it's just it's sudden it's out of the blue it's unexpected the beginnings are almost always you in, know inauspicious and often in these unlikely places Hard to get to places or places that aren't ready for crowds. It often happens like that. And there's even greater hunger and thirst displayed as as people go to be there. So that's the second thing. It has those earmarks of revival. Look, there are special conferences taking place all the time. There are special worship concerts. There are special speakers. We know how to hype it. We know how to make it bigger and better in America. And yet you can't draw crowds like this with all the hype in the world. Because nothing's happening. It's just a lot of hype. And you go there, it's like, that was nothing. And that's it. You can have an advertising campaign that you've got the best steak restaurant just opening up in your city. If you don't deliver the goods, that thing will close in a month. Because you'll spend all the money on advertising. People go there. It's not the real deal. They leave. When people go there, and then more people go, and more people go, it's because something's happening. So that's the second thing. has all the earmarks of revival. Third, it's it began with confession of sin. It began with a chapel service, just like thousands of other chapel services that have been there, and a message. It's a sincere message, but just like thousands of others. It wasn't one of those where the speaker said, boy, this is something unusual happening. I've never experienced this, and and people were glued, and people were— no, it's it's just another chapel service and another message by a Jewish believer, and and then uh, most everybody just walks out. It's over. A few stay behind, one student confessing sin, and next thing, others standing and praying and confessing and— then word gets out from the president, something's happening, you should go back to chapel. And then next thing it bursts and goes on day in, day out, 24-7 for over two weeks. But it started with confession of sin, and it was marked in an ongoing way by confession of sin. And we'll, we'll come to some of the criticism in a moment. But it was marked in an ongoing way by confession of sin, by holiness, by repentance, by people seeking God, turning to God. That's the third thing. The fourth thing is, it was immediately bearing fruit that would be in, in harmony with true revival. That's the fourth thing. It was bearing fruit that would be in harmony with true revival. So not just the sudden beginning where God draws a crowd, just like at Pentecost in Acts 2, God draws a crowd at the right time, at the right moment. And suddenly the message goes from those Jewish people who here the, to around the world, to the Jewish communities around the world, boom, in a moment of time. God knows how to do this. Here's a school with a history of revival marked with it, with leaders ready for this, some who'd been in previous revivals there, ready to give guidance and and wisdom. So God pours out His Spirit there. Boom, suddenly, having the earmarks of revival, starting with confession, drawing the crowds. But then I'm hearing from colleagues of mine, rock-solid believers, men and women of God with decades of life and ministry experience, and they're saying, we're encountering a heavy presence of God there, and it's marked by a sense of holiness and people are repenting of sin at the altar. You say, isn't it happening mainly to Christians? That's where it always starts. Revive revive the sleeping church. Revive the church that has gone cold and become backslidden. Sardis, you have a reputation of being alive, yet you're dead. It is a bringing back to life that which was once alive and has gone dry or backslidden or cold or become spiritually dead in many ways. So revival always starts with the church. Then it goes to backsliders, and it goes to the lost. But that, that's always the way it happens. That is the norm. That is to be expected. So believers are getting right with God. Believers are turning to first love. Believers are getting set free from sin. Satan doesn't do that, and he can't do it. The flesh doesn't do it and can't do it. And I believe you'll hear years down the line of lasting fruit because people were genuinely touched. The fifth sign to me that it is a genuine move of God, a genuine outpouring, is that destructive critics have come out of the woodwork that left and right they are attacking this. This can't be God because it's just a bunch of singing. This can't be God because it's not a clear presentation of the gospel. This can't be God because women are preaching. This can't be God because it's mainly for Christians, and it's in the Bible Belt, and it's what— Come on, go on with the list. It can't be God because they're unrepentant homosexuals leading worship and things. We'll come back to that false accusation in a moment. But whenever true revival comes, one of the signs is that criticism will come flying just from everywhere. Now, listen, when criticism is justified, constructive criticism, that's a good thing. That's a helpful thing. That's a life-giving thing. That's a necessary thing. And in the Brownsville days when respected senior leaders would come from other parts of the world, John Kilpatrick, the pastor, Steve Hill, the evangelist, would sit him down. Is there anything you see, any concern that you have? One reason God called me in was to help give strong theological foundations to to what was happening and to address points of criticism. And we would have meetings together and self-analyze. So so constructive criticism is wonderful and good and healthy and life-giving and necessary. But that's not the hypercriticism that we see. That's not the destructive criticism that we see, spreading rumors and misinformation and judging superficially and judging from a distance. And Duncan Campbell seconded this word from Arthur Wallace. Duncan Campbell was the leader in the Hebrides revival in 1949, 1952. And, And Arthur Wallace wrote the great book, In the Day of Thy Power. And Arthur Wallace said, if something claims to be a revival and it's not spoken against, check again to see whether it's really a revival. You see, this is part of the refiner's fire. This is what happens. The fire comes and it brings to the surface all the junk, not just repenting of our sins. Maybe I was self-justifying and now God deals with me and I'm repentant. Maybe I'm a pastor. I've been living a double life and left my first love. Now I'm repentant. It also brings up all the hypercriticism, the destructive criticism, the negative criticism. It's another sure sign that the work is real. That's why I feel absolutely 100% sure that there has been a real outpouring at Asbury University and that we will see the fruit of it for many years to come. We come back, I'm going to talk about some of the nature of the criticism. I'm going to take your calls as well. If you have a question, if you want more information, if you differ with me, if you think criticism has been valid, give me a call, 866 348 7884.
2: We'll be right back. It's the line of fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH here again is dr michael brown
1: thanks friends for joining us on the line of fire 866-34-TRUTH number to call by the way i'm smiling listening to that amazing testimony about trivita from one of my colleagues uh, one of our lead intercessors a real spiritual armor bearer and that was just a voice text he left me when i asked hey, how are the supplement's doing for you so we just wanted to play that for you and and remember 100 percent of your first order to trivita is donated not not after expenses. 100 percent of your first order is donated to help us expand the line of fire broadcast across the nation and more than a tithe of all subsequent orders are so take advantage of that it's at trivita.com our friends our sponsors our co-workers okay before i get to your calls let me address some of the criticisms coming against asbury these are things i've read with my own eyes Some of the people I know raising the criticism, some I don't. One is, there's so much emotionalism. There's so much emotionalism. Well, uh, emotionalism is getting worked up over nothing. Emotionalism is not based on truth or response to what God is doing. That's just getting, everybody working, come on, everybody, and you get everybody worked up. It's working up a crowd, right? It's not a response to truth, a response to God, a result of your encounter with God. But when there is a real encounter with God, there should be emotion. In fact, as, as one of my colleagues, a great Jonathan Edwards scholar, said when he was on the air with us a few months ago, that according to Jonathan Edwards, lack of emotion makes the experience suspect. That, that here, when, when you come under deep conviction of sin, there's going to be emotion. When you're grieving and repenting and realize you've offended God and others, there's going to be emotion. Lack of emotion would be a surprise. Here's a husband been away from his wife for three months, away from his kids for three months, uh, committed serial adultery, and now under deep conviction and repentant, and pleads with his wife, "Can I, can I come talk to you? I, 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 I'm so broken." And she, he comes home and he, and he says, "Honey, I'm, I'm, um, I'm upset about what happened. I know it was wrong, and uh, it won't happen again." No, that's not what she wants to hear. He wants to hear this guy broken and in agony. I can't believe what I just destroyed our marriage. i am sinned against God. i am sinned against the kids. That's natural. Or if you've been bound by a sin for decades and you're set free, or, or like the layman in the temple in Acts 3, you're you're been, you've been lame from birth and now you're healed? What does it say? He went to the temple walking and leaping. You don't leap in the temple. Well, he was he's been he has been crippled his whole life, healed in the name of Jesus. Walking, leaping, praising God. The Psalms, the whole Bible calls us to joyful celebration and for weep and repentance, and, and cry out to God. So the fact there's a lot of emotion, I would expect to see it. Well, it's just emotionalism. How do you know? How do you know that? Well, I discern, well, I discern your discernment is wrong. Is that, is that, is that going to be a battle? Well, I discern that your discernment of my discernment is wrong. That's, that's just baby stuff, all right? We got to do better than. That. Well, I didn't sense it's not right. Well, ten thousand people sense it is right. We got to we got to check biblically. We got to look at it biblically. And, and and God hates, God hates those who spread misinformation, who spew lies. God is dead set against it. Read Proverbs 6, 16 to nineteen. In fact, the same word toevah, It's used to describe homosexual practice in Leviticus 18, 22, and 2013 as something detestable or abominable, abomination in God's sight, that practice. It's the same thing that he says about shedding innocent blood in Proverbs 6, the same thing he says about those who spread dissension among brothers, the same thing about those who, who spread lies. This is serious stuff. Well, I saw a video. Oh, okay. Do you know the people involved? Have you talked to the people? how how do you know that it was emotionalism rather than a genuine response to God? Well, the song they were singing didn't have much to it. Oh, and God is unable to deal with someone outside of the words of one song? And maybe that person has been in the meeting for four hours and God's been dealing with them? Well, I went there. For, I, I was there for like 45 minutes, didn't feel anything. How about spending several days and nights in the environment? How about taking in the overall of what's happening? How about listening to hundreds, thousands now of testimonies of lives changed and people of countering God, turning away from sin? How about, how about that? You know how many people post lies and misinformation about me on, online, maybe even in a YouTube chat at, at this moment? It happens all the time. I'm a public figure. It happens all the time, sometimes by the minute online. No surprise. And by the way, if you're posting something, right, it gets held up. Maybe you have a link on it. Sometimes on YouTube, I'll notice comments held up, and it's something bashing me, but it's within our guidelines. I go ahead and approve it. Let's <laughs> so somebody bashing me, and I happen to see YouTube held up the quote because there was a link, and because that doesn't get posted automatically, I've approved endless things, differing with me, telling them why I'm wrong. Go ahead, and so much, it was just based on misperception, misinformation. How would you like it if I got on national radio and shared my opinion about you based on second or third hand information, about your church, about your marriage, about your life, about your ministry, about your personal dealings. How ugly would that be? How despicable would that be? I remember one of my colleagues years ago for the first time was lied about online. He says, He said, We gotta fix that, Mike, we gotta fix that. That I said, Bro, this happens all the time. It's the internet. You get slandered, you just know about it a little bit more. It's it's terrible. It's ugly in God's sight. But well. I didn't hear a clear presentation of the gospel. Well, how long were you there? How many meetings were you in? And how do you know that these people, many of the people there, have not heard the gospel day and night for years, and yet their hearts were hardened, and now in the presence of God they're being changed? Yeah, but there were women preaching. Yeah, and? Is there a problem with that? Well, some people say so. I No, I don't believe there's any problem with women preaching. As long as things are done under proper authority, let them preach, let them be used by God. Well, you're missing the whole point. There were unrepentant homosexuals leading worship, and that's despicable. Okay, if you mean unrepentant homosexual, as in someone who is in a same-sex relationship, in a romantic and or sexual relationship with someone of the same sex, saying it is right and fine in God's sight, or they're going to do what they want to do, if that was the case, they would be kicked out of the school. If the school knew about it, just like here's a guy sleeping with his girlfriend out of wedlock and unrepentant, that person would be put out of school. Here's a man living in adultery. He'd be put out of school. Here's a, a man sleeping with another man, a woman sleeping with another woman. They're there. They're unrepentant. They're put out of the school. Asbury has very clear guidelines, both the university and and the seminary yeah well I heard there were professors there and and some of them were soft on this and said God accepted same-sex marriage those professors are out Asbury cleaned house in fact one of my colleagues a professor at the seminary said isn't it interesting that not long after Asbury cleaned house an outpouring came yeah there were some people with compromised positions they may have been doing it sincerely thinking it's right and pleasing in God's sight but the fact is Those were compromised, sinful positions. They did not belong at that school teaching that, and they were put out of the school. But I heard there's a petition among students to bring them back. Some students want to bring them back, and the answer is no. And that's another reason. Isn't that why you welcome the Holy Spirit to come, to bring deeper repentance and deeper conviction? Say, but no, no, I saw on on Twitter that somebody posted that there were queers participating. Oh, so you're going to believe what somebody posted on Twitter, and that's your authority. When I talk to leadership within the school and, and friends of leaders within the school, and they investigate these things for me and tell me, not true. You're going to scorn that because somebody said it in. well, then I saw somebody repeat it, and that person repeating it is a respected leader. Did they go and verify? Is that, is that what you'd once said about yourself or your kids or your spouse? Is, is that what you'd like? That someone saw something about you online and then repeated it? And that's, that's being godly? That's being holy. No, that's being a tailbearer. That's being a gossip. That's doing one of the things that God hates. The only thing that I'm aware of, the only thing that I'm aware of, could be that there are people who participated in worship who are same-sex attracted, who say it's wrong in God's sight to engage in same-sex behavior, who say that, that the will of God is for them to live a holy life, and to be celibate, and to never marry, and and they identify as gay Christians. I wouldn't use that identification, but they recognize it's sinful to engage in this, and they know they have to live a holy celibate life. Should they be able to participate in worship? Sure. I would change their terminology. But if they're living holy, godly lives, saying no to the flesh? Sure. Why not participate? We'll be right back.
2: The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the line of fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
1: Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. A couple more comments, then I want to go to your calls. I want to clarify something. Again, there are, to my knowledge and the knowledge of the Asbury leadership that I've spoken with directly, and inquired of those who are in direct contact. There are, to our knowledge, no, quote, unrepentant homosexuals playing any role in the revival, in the outpouring at Asbury, playing any role other than repenting themselves. If, if they are, that's what they would be doing. They, were, they would be playing no role. You say, okay, but what about someone who says, I know homosexual practice is sinful. I know same-sex, quote, marriage is not marriage in God's sight. I don't believe that God is going to change me. I believe this is just the way I've been born, so this is the cross that I bear. I say no to it. I say no to the flesh and yes to God, and I identify as a gay Christian that helps me reach others and helps me be vulnerable. How do I respond to that? I appreciate the the, the heart for God. I mean, think of it. Let's just say you're 18 years old, heterosexual, and you get saved, and you realize, I could never have a romantic relationship with a woman. I could never— have a sexual outlet that God will bless. I have to be celibate, holy the rest of my life. That's a pretty intense cross to bear, right? So this is what's happening with someone same-sex attracted. And of course, I believe God can change them. And I know many cases where God does that, and, and sometimes gradually, sometimes dramatically. Uh, sometimes there's a, a lessening of same-sex attraction to the point that they're attracted to the opposite sex. I know of some that, that saw the same-sex attraction diminish and die and they were attracted to one person of the opposite sex and they married and they're happily married so they're all different ways and i know others that have not seen a change in same-sex attraction but they say no to it, it they don't, it doesn't define them it's not who they are they're living holy godly lives and they're saying "Hey, jesus is more than enough for everyone and jesus calls all of us to leave everything and follow him so this is just my expression of devotion to god nothing special about it he's the lord and i serve him I thoroughly honor that and commend that. And if someone says, yeah, well, I'd just rather say I'm a gay Christian because in today's environment it helps me reach more people and makes me vulnerable, I don't believe it's the right thing to say. It's not part of your identity. It's not part of who you are. It shouldn't define you. It shouldn't be put in front of Christian. What if I struggled with gambling? Well, I'm a gambling Christian. What if I uh, uh struggled with with pride i'm a prideful christian what if i struggle with lust i'm a lustful christian so none of those things should define us none, i'm an angry christian none of those things should define us it, it, so same-sex attraction shouldn't define anyone i'm a trans christian because i struggle with no no it's misleading because people will think you mean that you're practicing it or affirming it and it defines you unnecessarily So I I absolutely, strongly encourage people not to identify as, quote, gay Christians or queer Christians, even if they think it's helping them reach people. It's misleading, it sends a mixed message, and it doesn't help you as an individual believer. And many of my friends, ex-gay friends, and those in ministry to the uh, LGBTQ community feel exactly as I do, but in particular those who are ex-gay, ex-trans, etc. However... If someone identified in that way and was living a godly life devoted to the Lord and was involved in different aspects of of church service and ministry, I'd rather they don't use that identification, but they're not disqualifying themselves from being used by God. They're living godly lives. They're separated to the Lord. They're saying no to sin, no to the flesh. They're saying, for the rest of my life, I want to serve him and honor him with my body, my heart, my mind. So... If someone like that was involved and then someone else misrepresents it, misrepresents it, Well, you got queers involved, that's just them trying to push their agenda. And the other people spreading it is just utterly irresponsible. This even drew a strong re- response from Professor Craig Keener, who is spending, oh God knows, probably 50, 60 hours a week working on his massive commentary on Mark. I believe it will be the most comprehensive commentary on Mark in human history, just as his commentary on Acts is the most comprehensive in human history. Uh, even taking time away from that to be in the meetings, but then wrote me and said, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm grieved by what some critics are saying and I need to respond. So he sent me the response. I sent him a couple of thoughts. He sent it to someone else and he posted it. So this is grievous. It, it is serious and it is grievous. when we just spread something that we heard, especially when it's that defaming and especially when Asbury did clean house, did fire professors that did not hold to their standards and as a very clear standard. On biblical sexuality and morality one that should be applauded and of course the seminary does as well so be careful be careful not to spread hearsay gossip misinformation i, I want to just read this to you from proverbs 6. remarkably when i posted this the other day and how god feels about this i had people saying, oh you just don't want to confront things you just w- well oh, hang hang on. I've spent most of the last fifty plus years confronting issues and confronting people in private and in public. And many of my books are books confronting issues. And many of my broadcasts are broadcasts confronting issues. And many times I confront people privately and sometimes when it's appropriate, confront them publicly. And I have lost friends, I have lost all kinds of things for doing it. So please don't talk to me about you don't want to confront. No. I don't want to spread lies I don't want to spread misinformation I don't want to be a coworker of the devil. open rebuke is better than secret love I, I have delivered open rebuke in public conferences that have brought me in and I've said here's why you're wrong and I've said it publicly and I've said it with tears I, I've done that in some very risky difficult settings because open rebuke is better than secret love and The kisses of an enemy are profuse, but faithful to the wounds of a friend, Proverbs 27, 5, and 6. So I'll call things out, hopefully with love and grace, and obviously with truth. I'll call them out, absolutely. And now I'm calling out destructive criticism. I'm calling out when, when we are co-workers of the devil by spreading misinformation or hearsay or opinion, destructive opinion. So look at what's written in Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6 beginning in verse 15, 16, excuse me. And remarkably, after posting this, I decided to follow the thread myself on my personal Facebook page and the S. Dr. Brown page, and I had to remove all kinds of comments. It's like, are you kidding me? Here's what it says. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. So the same word, abominable, hateful. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict among brothers. Conflict among brothers and sisters. Conflict in the community. God hates that. So we need to be careful. Valid criticism, constructive criticism is a gift, is a blessing, is life-giving, is life-saving. We should all welcome it. We should be teachable. We should be correctable. We should have listening ears. We should always be willing to have constructive words spoken into our lives. Destructive criticism is deadly. Destructive criticism is harmful. And... It reminds me of the spirit of the Pharisees that Jesus rebuked in Matthew 23. He said, you tithe on mint and dill and cumin, so the the smallest of of spices and, and produce that you get. You tithe on that, even a little thing, tithe on that. But you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said, these you should have done without neglecting the others. So by all means, keep tithing. By all means, keep tithing, but don't neglect the major things. So I'll see people in the name of being spokesman for God or watchmen. Well, I question, well, this is God, and this can't be God, because a per- I know a person that went there. Oh, wait a second. Brown, you forgot. It. You left it out. What about all the NAR people that were going there, NAR trying to take over? Nonsense. Complete, total myth. Complete, total myth. One person announced that they were going, and some people thought that person was going to minister there. I thought, there's no way. Aspera's not going to have him. They actually escort him off the campus because they didn't want him associated with what was happening there. From what I know, he said, I'm just going to soak things in. But they didn't want the, the association or the notoriety. I have friends that went there to, to see what God was doing, to bear witness to it, to, to experience God's presence themselves. I do not know a single person out of all the leaders I know that had the slightest notion. We're going to go there and take this over. We're going to go there and own this. We're... That's just a myth. It is a total myth. I know where it started, and I know it's 100% false. Oh, that'll spread for years. Yeah, NAR was involved in that, you see? Friends, that is not just immature. That's not just fleshly. That is of the devil when we spread that kind of junk. It is of the devil. In fact, I've got to read this. One more passage, and then we will go to the phones from Jacob, James, chapter 3. And I did something really neat and exciting just a few minutes before the broadcast that that I want to share with you. Look at what's written. James, Jacob, chapter 3. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue... As a small part of the body but it makes great boasts consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark the tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell so be careful friends be careful well I heard someone is it true Are you sure it's true? Is it accurate? Is it helpful to share this and speak it? Friends, one of the things revival does is bring the junk up to the surface. And it's not just pornography and no-fault divorce and same-sex sins and and hidden abortions. It's also destructive criticism. So let's repent if the shoe fits, wear it, humble yourself, and allow the Lord to refresh you. 866 For truth, Uh, let's talk to Pastor Renzo in Massachusetts. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
3: Well, it's a privilege and an honor to be on. I am so excited about the Asbury Revival. I communicated with Facebook friends, Dr. Jim Garlow, and um, Dr. Craig Keener, and I I met Dr. Jim Garlow at the National Prayer Breakfast a couple weeks ago, and we. We have been praying for revival for years. I mean, I mean, when you go to a—I'm a New England Patriots fan. You know, we have people that go to to—they go to games. that's ten below zero. Have no shirts on. They got the war paint, and they're very emotional. It, it, it's normal because they're in love with with the New England yeah, and Patriots. That, and that's
1: and that's okay. Just stay there. That's okay. Go crazy at the ball game. But when Jesus really touches you. Well, praise the Lord. That was a theologically profound moment. No, it's more than that. We'll be right back.
2: It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
1: Yeah, I... I'm in regular contact with Professor Craig Caner, one of the world's foremost New Testament scholars. He's been there in person. In fact, he was helping Usher there at the meetings, took a week off from his Mark commentary work just to be there in the meetings and to see what God was doing. I'm in regular contact with Jim Garlow, nationally, internationally respected leader, meets with world leaders on a regular basis, was there at Asbury in the 70s as a student, knows the leaders there. And, and and he's vouching for the reality of what God is doing. So, so, Pastor, you were saying that all these years we pray for revival outpouring. I've been saying it's happening all around the country in different places. God draws everyone's attention to Asbury, and then people are like, that can't be revival. Why do we do that? Well, I, I, I think that um,
3: they have forgotten their first love. I, when you're in love with Jesus— and you, and you want to win souls, and you see people repenting. I mean, that, that is going back to your first love.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and remember this. We all do. If we, uh, the Church of Ephesus, Revelation 2, hardworking, orthodox in doctrine, tested those who claim to apostles, be apostles, them or not. But God says to them, I have this against you. You've forgotten your first love. That's what Jesus says. And because of that, they were going to cease being a church. So was very serious. Very serious hey thank you sir for the call and the good word okay so what did i get to do right before service i signed our first 157 pre-orders there'll be more to come but sign these will be sent out immediately so you can still pre-order a signed numbered copy the book releases to the public in what oh about two weeks a little over two weeks but we've signed so this is the first edition we only do this with first printing signed numbered pre-ordered with a scripture verse for you so you can get get hold of that on our website askdrbrown.org why so many christians have left the faith so the books are on the way i was looking at some of the names yes so glad to send it out to you so thanks for your pre-order it's also a way to help sponsor the broadcast so go to askdrbrown.org just click on store or call 800-538-5ASK that's 800 538 Seven five, and pre-order as many copies as you like. Why so many Christians have left the faith? All right, we go to uh, Michael in San Diego, California. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, this is Michael, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Go ahead.
3: Hi, my question is: In Isaiah six, Isaiah sees that the he sees a vision of the Lord seated on His throne, and the robe of His uh, the temple was robe filled the temple. So that means that God is inside his temple. Now, I assume that this temple is in the heavenly Jerusalem, but in Revelation 21, John sees the heavenly Jerusalem, uh, there's a new new heaven and new earth, and the heavenly Jerusalem descends to the earth, but he says there's no temple uh, in the new Jerusalem. So did God just erase the temple, or what happened to the temple? And furthermore, he says not only is there no temple, but the reason there's no temple is because the Lamb himself is the temple but in ezekiel i think 43 or 44 uh it says that uh the millennial temple will be the eternal dwelling place of god
1: uh right i can can help you sort this out yep so number one isaiah 6 i assume was the earthly temple in jerusalem and isaiah went in there and saw a vision of god in the temple so god appeared to him in the temple which made it all the more shocking If it was a vision of the heavenly temple, well, there is a temple in heaven now that God dwells in. The book of Revelation describes it in different ways, but there won't be a temple in the New Jerusalem. So there is a heavenly temple now, and God dwells in his heavenly temple. The earthly temple was a model of that, tavnit in Hebrew, built according to this pattern. And then, uh, in my view, Isaiah went into the temple in Jerusalem, and to his utter shock, the Lord appears to him, he sees him there. But it could have well been a vision of the heavenly temple, which exists now. In the future New Jerusalem, there won't be a temple. The millennial temple is just that. Anything saying everlasting just means for, for ages and ages and ages. So during the thousand years of God's reign on earth, there will be an earthly temple in Jerusalem where God himself will dwell. But in the eternal age, the New Jerusalem, there won't be a temple. The Lord himself will be the, the temple. The, the whole place will be his dwelling place and will be with him directly hey thank you for the questions i appreciate them uh let's go to paul in florida welcome to the line of fire
0: Hi. uh can you
1: hear me yeah i can
0: great um so i've known you for a while off and on we don't you would probably not remember me but we've met christ for the nations in long island years back also in jerusalem um pre-covid uh, at uh, Encounter Conference where you spoke. Anyway, I gave you a book there. I've written another book since then called Inappropriate, which I'd love for you to read. But this is, a, this is something that may seem off-topic, and the only re- reason I am even bringing it up is because I highly value you, your faithfulness to your calling,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: the, the depth of sincerity and knowledge and experience. Um, and so I just preface that so you know I'm not a newcomer. Yeah. Um but um I'm not by the way I recommend what we I do Israeli really tours and yeah, um, hey, just, just tell you I just that's...
1: just cuz the the clock is ticking I'm sorry I I know you wanted to say something positive uh and about one of my books but just dive in I fully appreciate the spirit okay. which you're speaking I just don't want us to run out of time okay? Great. Yeah. Okay, awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the intro music
0: to your program is what mm-hmm. troubles me. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I don't want to be the critic, but I really feel it's not in keeping with your message and everything else that I could say and more uh, regarding the the level of excellence. Mm -hmm. I think it's a distraction. Uh, I can't understand the words. I've asked others if they could tell me what they're saying. I know I've had conversations with your staff. They've sent me the lyrics. Uh, I wouldn't have known them if I didn't read them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the guys that do it and all that, they're high-level believers and whatnot. That's not the issue. It's its what's been produced, to me, is is totally out of course with what you represent.
1: Got it. Hey, hey, listen, first, I really appreciate the spirit in which you spoke and the honoring spirit, and you are 100% entitled to, to feel that way. I don't take it lightly. i only say this. Number one, we have overwhelming positive feedback on it. In fact, when we, when we first launched it, people were flooding us with, we love Skillet, thank you for playing this. So for, for every one negative comment we get, which is here and there, and I, I don't mean you're being critical or anything wrong in your attitude or, or approach at all, but we, we passed this out to numbers of people from different generations to get feedback before we, we launched. And then we got overwhelmingly positive feedback uh so again that doesn't mean everything but just so you know in general overwhelmingly positive that's one thing the second thing is the lord's really connected john cooper and me and skillet and me and they are really on the front lines getting to a lot of people in the world that we'd never get to and bringing in every concert a clear gospel message without compromise and this song was one that i said this is our message this is how we rise up this is This is our resistance against what's wrong and sinful and evil and even for what it's worth paul okay because you still have your opinion but for for what it's worth and you're entitled to it but for what it's worth i was praying our team said we need new music after all these years i was praying and i heard that song jump in my heart out of the blue and then I, i just felt start here stop here and when we wrote out the intro, it timed perfectly. We all looked at each other stunned with our team, like, this was a perfect fit. And then to get the rights to use it should have been virtually impossible, and we did. So we've seen God's favor, an overwhelmingly positive response. If Just chew on that. If you still feel the way you do, hey, that's great praise that we'll have discerned to know God's best, and don't let it distract you from, from listening. So it's not that I'm deaf to your criticism. It's just we we did everything we could to filter things out. I really felt the Lord gave it to us. We had a lot of favor in receiving it, and it is in harmony. This is how we rise up. You know, this is our resistance to the evil in the world. So take it for what it is. If we have a difference here, we do it as mature brothers in the Lord. All right? I can do that. All right. And you said your new book is called Inappropriate? Yes, it is. All right.
0: Well, I wrote it. During, I think you would find it very interesting. All right. Um, I wrote it during COVID.
1: Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling. Thank you for your spirit. I hope we meet again, okay?
0: I look forward to it, brother. All
1: right. God bless.
0: Thank you for taking this. God bless you. bet.
1: You bet. Absolutely. And let's see. Time for another call. Quick, hey, Brad in West Virginia. Dive right in. Welcome to the Line of Fire.
3: All right. Nice to meet you again. I met you in March 20. Twenty-eighth, ninety-seven at the Brownsville Revival.
1: <laughs> all right, thank changed you. Changed my
3: life. It, it changed my life forever. You spoke to me there. I know you don't remember that, of course, but I took thirty people down from Minnesota to the revival. Some old lady named Margaret Catherman opened up her home to allow a lot of people to change their lives. Their lives are still changed today. Praise my God. My question is: is why? Yeah, why are all these critics, especially these high up? Pastors that call themselves and call other people nar, you know the, the nar uh, whatever yeah, yeah. you call those guys, yep, yep. and they include you hmm. and Gilpatrick Patrick. I mean, you guys are my favorites, but it, they douse it with water. They not, and they never go there themselves to check yeah. it out.
1: You know, Brad, I actually and it's the had the same way
3: with the revival.
1: Yeah, I, I had a critic who was writing a whole major article attacking Brownsville, and he had never been to a service. He'd never been once. And I said, well, come here, it's expensive. I said, tell you what, we'll cover your expenses and put you up. He goes, well, then be, be, I'd be beholden to you. And he became an expert on it and never went to a single meeting. Yeah, look, there are people who are sincere and they mean well and they're just mistaken in their criticism. There are others that have a bad spirit and, and it's wrong. Either way, may the blessing of the Lord overtake them. May they encounter God afresh. May they love him in a way they've never loved him before. May the truth of scripture dominate their lives and may they be filled overwhelmingly with the spirit.
0: Another program powered by the Truth Network.